somebody standing close to tell them to hush your mouth, hold your peace. But see, us Pentecostals, we're so used to the liberty and freedom that we come into this house and, and we sit on the pews and ain't nobody there to tell us to hush. And ain't nobody telling you to hold your peace. And you're in good health. You got two good knees. You got a voice, you can lift it. You got hands, you can clap them. You got feet, you can dance. You got breath in your lungs. You got, uh, come on, come on, somebody. I'm coming right down your pew this morning. There ain't no reason in this house for anybody to leave out of this place and not have given God the glory. Can I I be honest with you real quick? We're we're about, I'm about to preach the word. I got a message. Don't think I ain't got no message. But what I have for us is is for us, you know, we get fed off of this. So what we're doing right now, this praise and worship, this is the only thing God gets out of this service. It's the only part that God gets to come into this place and just inhabit what we're doing. How foolish would we be to have all the needs that we have represented in this place? Hey, we got a new baby being born at a hospital somewhere and, and your bishop is asking that the saints pray. We, we got babies in this room that the devil's gonna come after them and, and we got fathers that need church folks help to raise them upright. We, we got a lot of things going on in the building and I understand that and you got situations going on in your personal life but I believe that if the people of God just began to worship and praise God The Bible says not only does he come down to it when two or three are gathered, it says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means that the more you praise him, God lives in praise. So when you begin to shout and dance, you know, some people wonder why folks get to jerking. It's just because God began to inhabit a temple. It's because God began to do a miraculous work. It's because God's coming because of the Lord. Don't get bashful this morning. My God. You be seated. I'm I'm, I'm done. I better preach. I better preach. I just can't get away from him. He's been too good. I'm thankful for your bishop and his family. I love him so much. Yeah, go ahead. Thankful for his influence in my life and I'm very thankful for him trusting me to preach in his absence. It's an honor that I do not take lightly whatsoever. And uh, I just love him. 
and his family so very much. Thankful for this good sound and music. Listen, not everybody everywhere. I preach in a lot of places. I hope this don't get me in trouble, but not everybody's got good music. You better be thankful you got good music. I'm going to turn your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Starting at verse 12, I believe is what I gave them. While you're turning, I want to give honor to my pastor, Pastor Nathan Holmes. I love him very, very much. The Bible says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants came while the flesh was in seething with the flesh hook of three teeth in his hands. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. And before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have son flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. There, wherefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. When she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, and Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah, so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Here's where I want to take my attention this morning. Verse 22 says, Now Eli was very old, and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. There's one more verse I want to take your attention to. Verse 30, it says, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord said, Be it far from me. For them that honoreth me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Today I want to preach to you from a thought that I feel is from the Holy Ghost. And I pray that I'm able to deliver it the way I feel it in the Holy Ghost. And that is, what's wrong with the village? They say that it takes a village to raise a child. Today I want to ask us a question. What's wrong with the village? If you don't mind setting your Bible down, stretching your hand toward this pulpit. God, we need you this morning. Lord, I'm asking you, God, in the next few moments, would you help me to preach the word the way I feel you've given it to me? God, I ask that you anoint these lips of clay, God, and hide me behind the cross, God. Lord, I ask that you would help us to have ears to hear, God, and have us to have hearts, God, that are able to receive your word this morning, God. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Thank you for already being with us, God. Remain in this tabernacle, God, and we'll give you glory and honor. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. Come on, can you accompany your hand clap with 
with you. Father's Day is a difficult one for myself and it's even more difficult for me to preach Father's Day simply because number one it's obvious I'm not a father but number two because I've not had a father and in the 27 years that I've been alive and I'm very thankful I know my mother has watched almost every service I've been with you all and, and I'm very thankful for her and I love my mother with all of my heart. She's done the best she could with what she had but at the end of the day, there are some things that a young man can only be taught by a father. There are some things that a young man can't learn from mama. There are some things a young man can only be taught from a male role in his life that will take the time and say, we will do what is necessary to help in the circumstances. My mama didn't know how to tie a tie. I had to learn that from my granddaddy. My mama didn't know how to fish and hunt. I had to learn how to fish from granddaddy and I learned how to hunt from my pastor. My mama didn't know how to do a lot of things that could only be learned from a man but I didn't have a man in the home. I'm thankful to God that even through my life, even with all the circumstances that came against me, I'm thankful this morning that somewhere along the way, God set me in the place to learn from men. I'm not degrading or belittling the role of our women this morning. I'm thankful for our women. I wish some other men would clap and thank God for our women this morning. But ladies, please understand that the culture in which we live, the culture that we are trying to raise more men in, they are telling our young men that you don't have to act a certain way. You can act like a woman if you so desire. You don't have to dress a certain way you can dress like a woman if you so desire. You don't have to act like a man. You don't have to provide for your family like a man. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible proclaims that a man that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Let me tell you young men something. If you can't provide for that woman, don't you dare try to be in a relationship with her. The Bible says that you're worse than somebody who's never known grace. But see, I, I didn't learn that from a father figure. See, when I was very young, my parents split. My daddy stayed in jail, and when he was out of jail, he wasn't doing nothing but trying to get me to follow in his footsteps and likeness and, and do drugs and, and drink alcohol. Matter of fact, if... I was 16 years old, just got my license. My grandmother, sweet, precious woman, I did my best to reach my grandmother in her final years and I was very unsuccessful. But the one thing about it, my grandmother, she was one of those women where she saw the flaws in my daddy and she tried her best to step in. But like I said, there were some things only a man could teach me. But my daddy, I'll never forget my mama, she, my grandmother, she woke me up one morning. She said, Zaby, she called me Zaby. She said, I need you to go get your daddy. I said, where is he? She said, he's up at somebody's house drunk and he can't drive. Just a 16-year-old boy had to go get his dad who was hungover from drugs and alcohol the night before. Let me tell you something, that was some de developmental years that if I had not had a relationship with my pastor and the house of God, ain't no telling where I would be this morning. Because I, I'm just telling you, if I had followed my father's footsteps, I, I, I should be messed up on drugs. I should be messed up in an insane asylum. I, I, there's many things that were coming down the pike for me. But thank God there was a house of God where there were a few good men 
who said, we're not going to let this boy go down the same path of his father and his grandfather, but we're going to grab a hold of him. We're going to put our arms around him, and we're going to show him how to be a man. And, and the scripture that I brought your attention to this morning, it is specifically about a man by the name of Eli. And Eli had two sons named Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas were rebellious. They were rebel rousers. They were, they were a, a stench in the nostrils of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that they caused Israel to transgress. Essentially, they were the preacher's kids. The high priest was Eli, and he, he couldn't control them. He, he couldn't tell them what to do. He, so when he got in his old age, and now his boys are, are being more menacing than ever, the Bible lets us know that Eli comes to them now after so many years, and he regrets not correcting them when they were younger, and he regrets not telling them when they were younger, but now they're adults, and they're getting ready to take on the ephod as the high priest. And the Bible lets us know that God was so disappointed in them. God, matter of fact, the Bible calls them the sons of Belial, which means that they, did, they were of no earthly good. And the Bible lets us know that this father, who was chosen by God to carry the law and establish the law among the people, is now standing before God and the two people that he should have controlled the most were against him and against God. The Bible says that they didn't even know God. They didn't have right relationship with him. They didn't know how to pray. They didn't know how to offer sacrifice. They had no idea how to be pleasing to God. And God said that I can't allow it. I, I can't let them rise up and be the next high priest. I, I need a man who's going to listen to me. I need a man that's going to do the things necessary. I want to tell some father this morning, you might think that you're insignificant in your child's life, but I promise you right now, you need to let your voice be heard and say, boy, we don't go there. We don't do that. This is how we pray. This is how we worship. This is what truth looks like. This is what holiness looks like. This is what separation feels like. This is what consecration is. We don't do the things of this world. But see, we've got a serious issue. Because a lot of us would adhere to the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child. But I'm going to tell you something. There are intricate parts of the village that are not at fault. Because when I look at our culture, when I look at the world that eventually I'm going to have to raise a child in, when I look at the world that little Nova's going to have to be raised in and little Clark's baby's going to have to be raised in, it makes me wonder if this is the world now, if this is the village, what is happening, what's wrong in the village? But I, I, I want to I submit to you this morning, I don't believe that the issue is praying mamas. Because let me tell you, when you come to pre-service prayer, the loudest people in the room are the women. And that ain't supposed to be. I, I love our women and I love that they know how to pray. But at some point I'm wondering when are the men going to grab a hold of this praying out loud and, and not just let the women be the spiritual litmus test of our churches. See, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's a lot of people that have a problem with women preachers, and they say, well, women, you're not supposed to usurp my authority, but when you sit on the pew and act like a, not on the log, you're, she's not stealing your authority. You gave it to her. So either you're gonna rise up and be the man of God that God's called you to be, or you just keep letting the women do it. See, I said that and some of you men still sitting down on me. Where are the men that will raise up in the hour in which we live and show our children how to be kids and children of God? 
See, because I'm going to be honest with you. I could sit here and preach a holiness message and I could talk about these women all day long and some of you would dance and shout all day long. But when I get to talking about the men, we get silent in the church because you, we don't want to have, we don't want to be told that God is calling us to a higher level than where we are. You can't be content on that pew. You can't be content spiritually. And when your household is going to hell, you're wondering why. Well, your kids watch you warm that pew, so they're going to warm the pew. Well, I'm going to get in trouble because I ain't a daddy. But I'm going to tell you what, this is why I feel in the Holy Ghost. Because Eli wouldn't correct Hophni and Phinehas. Not until he got too old. Not until Hophni and Phinehas saw that even though I don't agree with daddy and if I want to, see this is what the Bible said. The Bible said they didn't respond to him because they knew the Lord would have dealings with him. You know what I really believe? I believe those two young men, probably striping young men, got muscles and probably go to the gym every day. Those two young men, they looked at their daddy, how, how dare him correct us? How, how dare him tell us that we ain't, ought not be doing that? I can sleep with whoever I want to. I can go to the movies with whoever I want to. I can look at whatever I want to on my phone. I can do whatever. How dare my daddy tell me that I can't do that? My God have mercy. And you know, I just believe that there was a little bit of a bow up at him. Because I'm going to tell you, you know when you get in a certain age and daddy starts correcting you, you get mad. And you start, well, see, I, I don't know. Because my daddy wasn't there. I just know what people tell me. But these people, you, you get mad at daddy and you, you start wondering, well, who does he think he is? And then when you get a, a, a little bit of size on you, you think you can fight him back. And then you think you want to go at him and, 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 and try him. But I'm going to tell you, they knew. They knew better than that. They said, we know that if, if we was to hurt him, God would, God would strike us dead. Let me tell you something, young people. You Don't get mad at your daddy because he's correcting you. Don't get mad at daddy because he's telling you you ought not be hanging out with those friends. Don't get mad at daddy when he tells you, no, you're not going to that place with them. No, you're not going out with that girl. No, you're not going out with that boy. Why? Because we're people of God. And we don't do that. We don't go where they go. The Bible says not to sit in the seat of the scornful. I refuse to allow my children to go places that they ought not go that would mess up their spiritual walk with God. But see, the damage had already been done. Hobna and Phineas were already backslid. But see, here's what the problem was. They were backslidden but trying to give off an impersonation that they were still in church. That's why they still came around the temple. That's why they still came around during sacrifice. That's why they still came to camp meeting and impact. That's why they still came to conferences and youth camps because they wanted to give an impression that, hey, I'm still living for God when all the while they were just scoping out the young ladies. So let me tell you something. Some of you young ladies, oh God, I'm going there. Some of you young ladies, don't think it's an accident the things you see that he likes on Instagram and think just so happened that happenstance. He's not, he's not really into that stuff. It, it shows when you saw it. You better be weary and careful of these boys that are in sheep's clothing when all they're after is your purity and your innocence. That's why don't get mad at mama and daddy when they say we're cutting the phones off at 10 o'clock. Why? Because they're trying to protect you from things that would mess you up. And so the Bible lets us know that the damage had already been done. But Hophni and Phinehas say they had to do something. They had to go to war being the priest's sons. It was an obligation. And this is what they did. They grabbed the Ark of the Covenant. And they said, we know that the Ark of the Covenant will help us. We know that there's power in this thing. We don't really know all the, the, the ins and outs of it, but we know that it worked for Daddy. See, we don't have a real relationship with God, but we've seen a little bit of Daddy's relationship. 
We've seen a little bit of Bishop's relationship. And, and, and if, if what he did worked, we, we don't have relationship, but we're just going to do what they did and hope it works. The Bible lets us know that even though they had the Ark of the Covenant, you got to understand the presence of God literally settled on the Ark of the Covenant. But even with the Ark of the Covenant, when they went to battle, the Bible says they lost and they were killed and the Philistines stole the Ark. And then word gets back to Phineas' wife. Say, hey girl, your, your husband's been killed. And this is what happened. She was in the middle of giving birth. And the Bible tells us this. The Bible says when she finds out that her husband had been killed, she gives birth to a son and she names him Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. Let me tell you, Daddy, something. I'm here to encourage you, Daddy. I'm not trying to tear nobody down. But let me tell you, Daddy, something. I believe right now the biggest issue in our villages, it's not the lack of praying women, it's not the lack of a powerful God, but I believe it's the silent voices of fathers. Because if Eli had not been so silent when they were young and they were acting up in church, when they were young and weren't honoring the sacrifices, when they were young and flirting around with worldly girls, when they were young and doing the things they shouldn't have been doing, if Eli had corrected them then, he would have never had a grandchild named Ichabod. Let me tell you something. Everything we do day in and day out, it has nothing to do with me, myself, personally. But I'm always considering, God, will this affect my children and my children's children? Because let, let me take you to another passage of Scripture. You can be seated. I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, do a heavy teaching, but I, I do want to drive this point home to you because I feel this in the Holy Ghost this morning. Deuteronomy 6. Now, we love Deuteronomy 6.4. We love it. My God, every time we talk to a Trinitarian, that's the first verse we came up with. Well, let me, tell, let me explain something to you about Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the law. Not only is it the law, but every single day, those little Jewish kids... They had to wake up. Mama might have been in there cooking breakfast. I don't know what they ate because they didn't eat bacon and sausage, so I have no idea what they was eating. Turkey bacon, thank you. They was eating chicken patties. My grandma used to make salmon patties. My God, were they disgusting. But Mama was in there making breakfast, and this is what Daddy was doing. Daddy was sitting in the recliner reading the Word of God, and this is what he said. Boys, girls, come on in here. Because one thing Jews understood is that this law, if you, you can know the law, but if you don't have real relationship, then it means nothing to you. And, and, and this is a daddy who he, he saw the walls of the Red Sea. He, he saw the manna fall from heaven. He's seen, he seen all those things. He, he, he knew Moses personally. His daddy held his hand as he came. Matter of fact, his daddy protected him in Egypt by putting the blood over the doorpost. And this is what that father said. I, I don't know about the rest of the kingdom. He said, but if my daddy protected me, I'm going to protect you all. And this is what he said. He said, I, I need you to come into this room. He said, and I need you to quote it. I need to hear you say it because I need to know that my children understand the law and love the law and want to do the things that are pleasing according to the law. And so this father, he bring them in, he line them up, let me hear you say it. And each kid, one by one, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only. Thou shalt love the Lord, thy God, with all thine heart and with all thy soul and all thy mind. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Say it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thine soul, and with all thy mind. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. I need you to say it one more time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. No, you messed up on that word. Say it again. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. Daddy, can I stop? No, say it again. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. I got that. Say it again. 
all. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Say it again. Keep saying it. Say it till you believe it. Say it till it gets down in your heart. Say it till you won't transgress against God. Say it, say it, say it. Keep saying it. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name. Say it again. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. One thing I used to pray, God, I used to pray. I used to pray, God, save my daddy. You know, normally it's the other way around. There's a picture, I wish I had it. I have it, I, don't, I didn't give it to the media team. It's a picture of me and my daddy. My daddy, he wore his cargo shorts and his black polo shirt. And I had on a suit because I just come from church. Because, you know, in the South, we go to Granny's house after church on Sunday. How you doing? My granny had a feast in there cooked. My daddy said, boy, I want to take a photo with you. I said, okay. My aunt told me, she said, Zabie, she said, when I look at this photo, I, it breaks my heart. I said, why? She said, because what he's got on, you ought to have on. And what you've got on, he ought to have on. See, my daddy wasn't showing me the ways of a man of God. Let me tell you something. Some of you young people, you second, third, fourth generation, however far along you are, you ought to be thankful that you got parents that'll correct you when it's time to be corrected. I used to wish and pray so hard that my daddy would get saved. I, I wanted him to tell me, no, we ain't doing that which, of course, I wouldn't do none of that stuff, no way. But I, I wanted him so badly to just take up a figure and be the dad that God wanted him to be. Not just that Xavier White wanted him to be, but the, the man that God wanted him to be. And let me tell you something. You'll never understand how privileged and thankful you should be for your parents that are in church, that are taking you to prayer on Thursdays, that are enrolling you in a Christian school. I wanted to go to a Christian school so bad, but we just didn't have the money. But your parents got you in a Christian school and they bring you to church on Sunday. Hey, some of you, some of you young people, you got a drug problem. Your mom drug you to church this morning and you ought to be thankful for it. You ought to be thankful that they're going to make you come to vacation Bible school. You ought to be thankful they make you sign up to be an ambassador. You ought to be thankful that they make you come into this place and consecrate yourself and lay all your sins down before God. You better be thankful. Say it again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it till it gets in your heart. Because let me tell you the truth. Statistics, I, I looked it up. You can look it up. Statistics show, I believe it was in the households now, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm hoping I ain't got them mixed up. I believe it's 73% of American homes don't have father figures. 27%. That means 27% either have biological fathers or stepfathers. Only 27%. You wonder why we have a gender identity problem? You wonder why we have men that are so feminine? And, and let me tell you what's happened. In the culture, the culture is trying to infiltrate the church. And now we've allowed these feminine fellas on our platforms because, well, they can't help it. And, 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 and it, it, you know, we, we're not against them. Yeah, they might be a little feminine, but, but we're not against And I, I don't hate no homosexuals. Please don't misunderstand me. I believe in loving everybody through it. But one thing I will not do is condone sin. And, ju and just in case anybody want to go there with me, I don't condone lying. I don't condone adultery. I don't condone fornication. I don't condone lust. I don't condone pride. I don't condone any of those things. And I don't condone homosexuality. So come for me if you want to. But I'm against it all. And the Bible tells me that I ought to raise my children in a house that preaches against it all.
allowed, we, we've watered it down, we've made it easy. We, we made it so easy because everybody tells us, well, you gotta, you gotta have an atmosphere of love. And don't get me wrong, we ought to love everybody that walks through the doors. But I'm sorry, you can't get on this platform. You, you, I understand you, you're struggling with pornography. I'm praying for you, but you don't need to be singing about deliverance and you ain't been delivered. I understand you're struggling with same-sex attraction, but you can't preach, you can't sing and preach about a God that is able and he hadn't been able in your life because you're not allowing him to be able. Hey, let me tell you, when you really get delivered, then you can start singing about it. When you really get set free, then you can preach about it. But until that day, I'm gonna love you in an altar. I'm gonna love you till you lay it down. I'm gonna love you till you overcome it. I'm gonna love you, but you gotta do it at an altar. Because we have a culture that's so offended, everybody's offended. Everybody's so offended. We, you, 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 can't, you can't talk about homosexuals without offense sweeping the room. Listen, I, and I understand maybe your grandson is gay. That don't mean that it, it's right. I, but, but I tell you what, you come and tell me his name after I'll keep him on my prayer list. How about that? Is that a fair trade? I, I, I don't care. I don't care if your kids did commit adultery and now they're married to the person they cheated with. That don't mean nothing to me. What I do understand, the Bible says it's wrong. And if the Bible says it's wrong, I'm sorry if you're offended. Well, I'm not sorry you're offended because you need to make it right with God. But, but if you're offended, that's just what the Bible tells me to preach against. And so I'm going to preach what the Bible tells me to preach. And if the Bible is rubbing your flesh the wrong way, good. That's the way it's supposed to be. You ought not be sitting in this place every Sunday and be comfortable in your sin. You ought to be able to come in here sometimes and Bishop rub your flesh the wrong way. And I rub your flesh the wrong way. And Brother Heyman rub your flesh the wrong way. And Brother Sferlatza rub your flesh the wrong way. And Brother Sloss rub your flesh the wrong way. You ought to be able to come into this house and they preach, baby, I understand you're struggling, but come out from among them. I'm going to tell you, you better be careful who you're texting. It, it's, it's mighty funny to me. I, I, I notice, and maybe you notice. I'm just going to call it out, okay? Is that okay? They get offended, they just get offended. But I notice at camp meetings and conferences, people with that same spirit always find each other. You know, the feminine dudes always find the feminine dudes, and the, the, the butch girls always find the butch girls, and the liars always find the liars, and the fornicators always find the fornicators. But you ever notice the people that want to live for God and pray before service, and they find each other too, and they end up going to eat together, and, and some of them get married, thank God. But even the ones that are liars and fornicators and homosexuals get married too. I'll give you a good example, because some of you don't believe me, that's okay. But I was in Bible college, and uh, this one might get me in trouble. That's okay. I was in Bible college, and I noticed there was a lot, a lot of feminine guys. Uh, before y'all get started, yes, I went to Indiana, and no, there was not a whole lot of them. There was just a few. There was a lot of feminine guys in, in, in this one class. And a lot of stuff, a lot of weird stuff. Well, one of the guys, he, he called himself trying to be my friend, and I, and I immediately red flags. But you know what? I told myself I'm going to be a man in front of him. I'm a, if he don't know how to be a man, I'm just going to do what my preacher showed me, what, all my, what my pastor showed me, and, and I'm going to love him as best I can. Well, that young man got caught up in some stuff he shouldn't have been doing and uh, got caught on an app. School found out about it. And this wasn't, this wasn't just somebody sitting on a pew. This was somebody we was using the same. And he got caught on an app and the, the, the campus pastor went to him and, and said, listen, I, I'm sorry, but you, you got to go. Now that same guy is a, claims to be a, a trans, whatever the rest of the word, I don't know if it's transvestite, transsexual, whatever. He claims to be a woman now. And, and the funny thing about it is he dresses just like we, our women dress. You know, he wears the buns and the dresses. 
because he, he understands something about the conviction side of Pentecost, but he's not letting God deliver it. See, let me tell you something. There were some Jews that wanted to stay in Egypt, but they wanted to be separated but still in Egypt. But God said, no, you, you can't live this life and stay in Egypt. You got to come out of Egypt. Because I've got something better than you can even imagine. And, he said, and so this young man, if you look up the statistics, the correlation between homosexuality, one of the leading correlations, how these young men end up where they are, is because there was no father figure in the home. Let me tell you men something. We're living in a culture that wants to tell our men that they are insignificant, that you have no real role, that women don't need you and women don't want you. But I'm gonna tell you, God designed it perfectly. And God said that I need a man in the home and I want a wife in the home. And, and that's the order that God wants to raise up your children. You wanna know how we deal with the, the feminine issue in our men? Is we put daddies back in the home that show them how to be men. Let me tell you something. Back, back in the 50s and 60s, there were men in the home and they said, boy, you need to stop all that switching. You need to stop all that feminine talk. You're acting like a limp wrist. Hey, they, they tell you what it was like. They tell you, you need to act like a man. And some people said, well, that's offensive. They weren't letting them live their truth. But you want to know what it was doing? It was causing a bunch of men to realize, I need to be a man. I'm not called to be a woman. I'm not called to do the things that women are called to do. God has called me to be a man of God. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I understand there are some women in this place. You, you're doing all you can by yourself. Please don't think I'm trying to disregard you. Please don't think that I'm trying to belittle you. I'm not. But what I am saying is, you need to let some of the men in this congregation come alongside you and say, listen, honey, I, I don't know what all you're going through at home. I don't know what you're fighting through. But let, let me take them out to, and, and teach them how to fish and let me, let me show him how to hunt. Let me, let me show him how to be a man of God. Let me show him how to pray. Let me take him to prayer meetings on Thursday. Let me take him to youth services on Friday. Hey, don't, don't get upset when they want to reach out to you simply because they're trying to help raise the next generation of men. So, this is what Deuteronomy says. At the very end of Deuteronomy, it says, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the, the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? What, what, what is all of this? Daddy, why, why do I have to speak in tongues? Why, why do I have to pray till I speak in tongues? Why, why can't I wear shorts? Why, why does Bishop ask me to shave my face? Why, why do our women not wear pants? Why, why, why don't they cut their hair? God, Daddy, I'm just asking questions. I, I'm, not, I'm not being rebellious. I'm not trying to question authority. But can you give me some understanding here? This is what he said. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Let me tell you what's going to be the greatest testimony to your kids. When your kids come to you and say, Daddy, why this, why that? When they say, Mama, why this, why that? The greatest testimony you could ever give them. Because one day I was bound by Pharaoh. One day I was messed up in sin. One day I was one day I was struggling. One day I was fighting hell on every hand. One day I was messed up on drugs. But when I came into the house of God, that preacher preached it out of me. That preacher preached holiness into me. That preacher preached the television out of me. That preacher preached the makeup off of me. That preacher preached it to me. So I'm going to preach it to you. Let me hear you say it one more time. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us, you might be content with your kids 
living a wayward lifestyle. You know, I'm going to be honest. I've seen some parents that I don't even think they realize. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Lord, help them. Because you can see the, the trend. You can see, oh, they're slipping. It's a slippery slope. You, oh, you think it stops at one cigarette with your friends. Next thing you know, listen, I, I, got, I got crazy stories for days. I really do. One of the craziest stories, I'll give you a good example, okay? I remember sitting on the school bus. This girl, she was Pentecostal. She had a bun thing. I don't know how y'all do it. She had a long jean skirt on. You could hear her coming from a mile away because it popped every step. Her dress would be... It was terrible. But this girl, she got on that school bus and there was already some things about it I thought, man, something ain't right with her. But then when she got on the school bus, she got around certain friends. And not only did she forget how to speak in tongues, that girl learned how to cuss every which way. And I sat there and I thought to myself, my God have mercy. I hope the rest of Pentecostals ain't like you. I mean, there was a time period in my life I thought maybe I'm the only one trying. You know, I, I didn't have impact to come to in Fort Myers. I just, I just went to little local meetings and everybody was acting like a hellion around me. But I guess they thought I was first gen, so they thought, man, he ain't, he ain't really got it. But I'm going to tell you something. I was against that mess. And those people used to try to get me to partake, and I'd be like, I don't think that's what people of God ought to be doing. Well, let me tell you something. You, you might say, well, I don't want to be judged and I don't want my friends to think I'm holier than thou. No, no, baby, you need to walk into that room with authority and say, no, we don't do that mess. When you get around young people in the, in the youth group and Brothers Falazza's not there to correct them and you hear them saying stuff they ought not be saying, you ought to be like, no, we don't do that around here at the Rock Church. There's got to be a young person that'll stand up boldly enough and say, we don't do that mess around here. You, you might want to go across town to the other church where you can cuss all day long, but in this church, we don't fuss, we don't cuss. In, in the church I grew up in, they taught us a little slogan. It says, I don't drink and I don't chew, and I don't flirt with girls that do. <laughs> you know, Mississippi, everybody chews. It's disgusting. Because everybody has to carry that nasty spit cup. And the worst thing you can see is a girl doing it. Teeth black. God. It's the nastiest thing ever. And I, when my pastor taught me that, I was hanging around this girl. And uh, she called herself on the smoke. I said, I don't smoke and I don't chew. And I sure don't flirt with girls that do. She took me home real quick. <laughs> because she understood something. I'm not going there. I, I've drawn a line in the sand, and, and I'm sorry, but you, you, let, me, let me give you a good example. You see how the edge of this platform, if I go over this platform, I'm going to fall and bust my face. And let me tell you, some of you young people, you're towing on that line. You've been messing around with the world, and your parents have drawn a line for you, and you don't realize that on the other side of that line, you're going to fall to your condemnation. And God's trying to wake you up this morning. You better be thankful you got a mama and a daddy that'll correct you and tell you we don't do that, we don't say that, we don't go there, we don't play that, we're not going to spend hours on our phones, you don't get on your phone after a certain time, you better be thankful today because I'm telling you there's a world that's coming after you but thank God for holy parents, thank God for fathers, thank God stand with me all over this building, I'm done Last point I want to bring to you as the singers are getting ready. Noah's Ark is one of those things we talk about in Bible schools and, you know, it's kind of one of those fun situations. It could have been easy for Noah's children to think, Daddy done lost it. He's building this boat, talking about water falling from the sky. They had never heard of that. They had never seen that.
But here's a very interesting thing about it. Noah just kept on building. And when his kids would say, Daddy, why, why are you building this big old boat? Keep in mind that the, the animals didn't show up till later. Why are you building this big old boat? He said, because God told me to do it. And if God told me to do it, and I do it, not only am I protecting myself, but I'm protecting you. He said, but if I don't build this boat, he said, I don't know what rain looks like. I don't know what it sounds like, feels like. He said, but if I don't build this boat, not only will it destroy me, but it's going to destroy you. And so he builds this boat. And the Bible says he seals the boat. And I, you, you wonder about the inclination of that. When, when dad seals, when he, when he makes it where you can't get out and nothing can come in, you realize that he's not just protecting you from the outside world. He's protecting you from the waters that want to get inside the boat and water down the boat. See, that's why, that's why you got to be careful. We've solidified this doctrine and we're not going to water it down. But it's going to take some fathers that'll stand flat-footed and say, we believe. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But it doesn't stop there. He says, and the promise is unto you and to your children and to your children's children and as many as far off as the Lord our God shall call. Let me tell you something, he's still calling this morning. Not only is he calling for somebody to get the Holy Ghost this morning, but he's calling a daddy to say, Daddy, you need to stand firm and be a Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're not serving another God. We're not serving a mini God. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come join me around this altar for just a few moments. Uh, come on, let's join together. Come on, Daddy, you ought to put your arm around your kids and say, I'm going to do everything I can to protect you. what I'll be yeah I will be what you've called me to be I'll say yes I'll say yes come on somebody before we leave this house I wonder if we can make a declaration in this house come on why don't we lift our hands in this house passionately situation I came out of you didn't have a father figure and you're probably wondering brother white you didn't really preach to me just now but let me tell you something I, I'm not a father yet but I learned how to be a good father because my daddy was not one and I know that as long as I do the opposite I believe that God will make me a good father and so let me let me explain to some of you young men you don't have a father figure this is what I'm, I want to encourage you right now. Don't let your circumstances right now define how you father. Instead, you, need, you, know, you want to know how I found out my dad was dead? I got a phone call on the way back from a youth rally. And they said, Xavier, your daddy been shot. He's dead. And I couldn't believe that. It, it, it shook my world. 
And I thought to myself, God, if I ever make a promise that I plan to keep, this is it right here. I told God, I said, God, my wife will never have to worry about where I'm coming from. I said, God, as long as I'm able, I plan to make sure my children know that daddy loves them and there ain't no safer place than in the house of God. Let me tell you young men something that don't have a daddy. You better make sure that you're the best daddy you could ever possibly be. When God anoints you to be a dad, you better make sure you show that young person how to pray. You show that young person where they can go for a safe space. You show that young person how to love mama. You show that young person how to be loved. Because I'm going to tell you, what will what, help our young people even more, if daddy shows young men how to treat women, and if daddy shows young women how to be treated, Come on, we need to pray right now. I feel God trying to speak to somebody. Your circumstances right now don't define you, but when you leave this place, maybe you say, I hadn't been a good daddy. But let me tell you, you leave this place and you be a good daddy. Maybe you say, I I don't have a daddy. But you leave this place with a promise and know that when God anoints me to be a father, I'm going to be the best father I could possibly be.